most original talk radio station anywhere. We are LA Talk Radio at latalkradio.com. You're listening to Question Reality. Question Reality. With Priscilla Leona. Priscilla Leona. Only on LA Talk Radio. Welcome to Question Reality. I'm your host, Priscilla Leona, and we are coming to you live from Los Angeles, California. Our show is broadcast every Sunday from 5 p.m. to 5.50 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Now, if this is your first time tuning in, our show will help you to question your career reality. Now, this show is for you if you were, are, or might be considering a career in the entertainment industry. Our guests will provide tips, advice, and resource information on how and what it takes to successfully pursue a career in show business. Our guests work in various professions of entertainment, so that means that we will definitely have someone on the show from a career that you are interested. If you want to check out our past guests, read their bios, listen to their interview instantly, or download one of the shows, go to the LA Talk Radio website, LA Talk Radio. Com. Click the link at the top of the uh, website that says Channel 1. Scroll down and look for our graphic, Question Reality. Click the link, and this takes you right to our archive page. And that's where you can view all of our past guests. <clears throat> now, our shows are also available for download on iTunes under the podcast section. You just type in Question Reality Radio in the search box. takes you right there. And then we're also available on Stitcher, Stitcher.com, ST. T-I-C-H-E-R.com. And if you want to find out about our future guests, you're going to have to go to the official Question Reality website. And that website address is questionrealityshow.com. Questionrealityshow.com. And I just want to thank everybody. We are, you know, I got a, I've got a wait list. Uh, we are booked all the way until the end of May. And I've got some people holding because I just, I could literally be booked for the rest of the year. But I'm just holding off because I'm telling you, you people are just running me ragged over here. It's just crazy. But I love it because our show has become so popular. And I really appreciate everybody tuning in. I love, love, love the emails. I love that we have uh, listeners in Russia, Slovenia, Denmark, Germany, of course, England. You know how I am about the British boys. Love people in England uh, and all over the world. And I just love your emails. Thank you. Send more. Feel free to ask any question. I just had someone send an email last week and say, are we allowed to ask you personal questions? Yes, you can. And I also give sex advice. So feel free. Just kidding on that. Uh, okay. So without further ado, I'll, I'll bring someone on that can that's more qualified than me. But I before we um, before we go on, I I wanted to tell you that we are going to be playing next week. Vassie, as you know, she was a guest on my show a couple of months ago. She is one of the hottest new singers out there. Her name is just Vassie. You hear if you listen to Bra or you watch Bravo, uh, you hear her song. Your mom design. 
choir. Now, I'm not a singer, you know, but I, I, she's everywhere. She is the hottest thing ever. Her song was featured in the movie uh, Cabin in the Woods. Uh, also, her song is the theme song for the Victoria's Secrets campaign, Desire, and then also Nike, Google. She's everywhere. And next week, we are going to play the latest number one. Uh, so tune in next week to hear that. Now, without further ado, oh, my God. God, I'm so excited about this guest. I am just elated. He is so cute. He is adorable. I want to just squeeze him. His name is Brian Kylie, and he is a <laughs> comedy writer and a stand-up comedian. He does it all. There's nothing Brian doesn't do. And uh, we are so, so lucky to have him on the show. He was referred to me by a friend of mine, Jeff Rector, who used to have a show on LA Talk Radio as well uh, a couple years ago. And uh, he is, let's just tell you a little bit about Brian. He is a staff writer for Conan O'Brien. He's been a staff writer for Conan O'Brien since 1994. He was nominated. Oh, I mean, what dream is it? For, I mean, I would kill to be nominated for, like, a Patch Store Award. He's been nominated for 12 Emmy Awards, 12 of those little bastards, and finally won 2007 Award winner for writing in a comedy variety series. And Brian has appeared several times on The Late Show with David Letterman, The Tonight Show with Jane Leno, Late Night with Conan O'Brien, and so many more. He's also an actor. He's done voiceovers. I, he performs regularly uh, at stand-up clubs in L.A. The only thing I don't know is if Brian sings. So we're going to have to find out if he sings a tune. So without further ado, <laughs> Brian, is that you? It is indeed. Thank you, Priscilla. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my God. Are you kidding? I ju it is such an honor to have you on the show because, first of all, Conan O'Brien is hands down like my favorite late night talk show. You know, we, we Albert and I, Albert's my husband, uh, we used to battle it out because he was a Leno person and I was a Conan person. So we would have to draw straws. We would have to draw the hat. I said, I have to watch Conan O'Brien. That man is a comic genius. And there is only one other person that I put in the Conan O'Brien category, and that's Graham Norton. I don't know if you know who he is. A British comic uh, on the BBC channel, uh, Graham Norton. Oh, he's the funniest thing ever. He's equivalent to Conan O'Brien, but in England. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, I'll have to check him out. He is one of the funniest. I mean, Conan O'Brien is um, so funny in, in many, many ways. Graham Norton has the – he has a talk show, of course. He's, he, he actually, back in – why do you hear this, Brian? Back in 19 – I believe 1999, 2000, when I was putting my toe in the water uh, pursuing a sitcom career, uh, I was asked to be on the Graham Norton show. He actually was starting a late-night talk show as well, but it – never took off because I guess people just didn't get his humor but you he's he's hysterical he is so funny I have tears coming out of my eyes so you got to check him out on the BBC channel but I will, I will. yeah please do that uh, but Conan is my love and it is it must be a thrill a second to work for this man tell me <laughs> it must be a well, thrill <laughs> well I have I have to say, he, I, I am amazed at how funny he is every single day. He, I, the, the best part of the job for me is right before the show, when he and Andy are getting ready and they're fooling around 
and they're just hilarious every day. And I'm kind of like to be that funny every single day. Like I like to be funny and then take four or five months off. But these guys, it's every day. It's unbelievable. I mean, it takes a lot of energy, right? How do they do it? Is this natural or is this a, a mental impairment that makes them a genius? I, I do. I do think there might be something wrong with them. But, in a, but I mean that in a good way. In a good way. Well, he's a brilliant guy. He really is. So. He really is. And I tell you, I I was up in arms about this whole late night thing. I'm like, no, don't take Conan away, please. I Because, you know, we've been, we watched him for all those years on the same channel. And you get you, you just know you're going to watch Conan at this time on this channel. So I was so upset about that. Um, now, were you I imagine you were. Were you an original staff writer when he was on? Uh, oh, was it Channel two? Oh, Lord, I'm flipping out Channel 2 or Channel 4. I can't remember. But, Channel Four. Were you a were you a, a writer on the team as well back then? I assume you were. Yes, I, I, well, I started. At, the show was on for about six months when I started, so I've been with him for eighteen years now. Wow! And I understand he's very loyal because I, he took everybody with him to the to the new channel, right? He, you know, he he. Uh, I, a few people moved on, but he really took everybody else, and and it. Um, you know, it was it was a trying time, as you can imagine. You know, my I moved out here, I moved out to L.A., I moved my family, and then a few months later, uh, we were all out of work, and that was a little bit. Uh, oh, so you, oh, that's when you came aboard. Where did you move from? Uh, well, we were all the Conan show. We originally were in New York. We were in New York for sixteen years. Oh, oh, oh um, I thought you meant you lived in another state, and then you moved to do his show, to, and then you went to New York, and then you. No, no, no. When the whole show moved. Uh, we all moved out here. So, ah, it, okay. Are you originally from New York? Uh, no, I'm actually from Boston. I actually grew up in Newton, Mass. I grew up in the next town from Conan. He was in, grew up in Brookline, and I grew up in Newton. And you never knew him at that time? The whole time? Uh, you well, you know what? I, we actually went to the same Sunday school when we were kids. Oh, um, my God! And you knew him in Sunday school? Well, it's funny. His brother was in my class, and my brother was in Conan's class. So we had this sort of um, isn't that something? Just uh, you know, just sort of a coincidence, really. But uh, so I knew him a, uh, just a little bit That's as a weird. kid. Isn't that weird? And you just never it is. Know. You know, as a kid, you're in the Sunday school, you know him. How the heck did you know you'd end up uh, uh, working with him? That's amazing. Now, let's start back with uh, a question that I ask of every guest because this is what uh, people seem to want to know. Uh, what, when Brian Kiley was a itsy-bitsy little teeny-weeny comedian, uh, what did you want to do for a profession as a child? Because I know you must have been funny. Is that what you wanted to do when you were a child, say, I want to be a comedian? Or did you have aspirations to be something? Something else. Well, it's funny you said that. You know, I, I did want to be a comedian, although even as a kid, I had no idea how anyone became a comedian. Right. You know, there's there's sort of no, you don't go to, there's no sort of path, and I didn't know how people do that. And I thought, and I used to watch the Dick Van Dyke show, which was my favorite show. Oh, yeah. And I thought, I thought, well, if I can't be a comedian, at least maybe I could be, a, I knew that there were TV writers out there, and I thought, well, maybe I could write for a television show. So, Really, since I was probably, you know, 11 or 12 or 13, I wanted to get into comedy. 
Now, when you're when you told your parents that you wanted to to get into comedy, were they supportive, or they say over my dead body, little Brian Kylie? Well, um, do you know the term clinical depression? Yes, I am. No, 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 I'm kidding. Um, I think they they. Um, I don't think that was their first choice. You know, I think they were a little bit saddened uh, to hear that, um, but. I, I think that they knew that that was sort of my passion, and I think they were kind of willing to let me kind of give it a shot. And if it didn't work out, then you know, then go they into to say, you know. I told you so. I told yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. I told you, Brian. Okay, so <laughs> what steps? When obviously you're 12, 13, 14, or 56, you're in high school. What steps did you take uh, towards your desired career in common? Well, it's. It's funny, I actually, I, when I was probably about 16, I, would, I just started writing jokes. And I would write them down. I had these little note cards, like, you know, and I had this little box, like, almost like, like, a, like a recipe box that, that my mother would have. You know, you have this little box of, this little recipe-type box with the little 3 by 5 cards. And I would write jokes, and I would put them on these cards, and I would save them for, I don't know, I don't know what I thought that I would need them for someday. But it was, I just kind of got into the practice of writing jokes uh, as a teenager. So nobody told you that was a natural instinct for you to do. You just thought, that's, that's a great idea. I think, personally, that's a great idea. I'm actually going to give that out as a tip to people who want to be a comedian. But I think that's a great idea. But nobody told you to do that? That was just a natural? No, no. It was just something that seemed like it was fun. And, and I, it was like, a, you know, maybe some little mental impairment on my part, but it was a little obsession that I had. Are you kidding? And That's I, a great idea. Your, your mom has the recipes for food. You were writing recipes for jokes <laughs> for your career. Yeah, yeah. That was just um, a great idea. Well, I'm sure they were probably pretty terrible, but it, it's just <laughs> you have to start somewhere. And, you and, uh, Do you still have them? No, I have no idea. I think, I think it would really uh, be appalled if I saw them. No, you could actually <laughs> autograph them and sell them. I would buy one. Okay, so, <laughs> so when you were taking, so you took your little jokes, you were writing them on your cards. What did you do in your next advancement towards? Well, when I was in college, I went to Boston College, and I was in school, and I was, I guess I was about a, a sophomore or so. They had a, a, some, they had a comedy show at my school. They had some uh, three professional comics from Boston came and did a show, and there was this one guy that I thought was hilarious, this guy named Barry Crimmins. And I went and spoke to him, and I said, you know, I've, I'd like to be a comedy writer. I've written a lot of jokes. And so he was running a, a club in Cambridge called the Ding Ho. And he invited me to his club, and I came. Like, I met him one afternoon, and I typed up, like, 50 of my jokes, that those jokes from the little note cards. <laughs> and I brought, him, I brought him my jokes. And he looked them over and said, oh, you know, I like this one or this one. You, maybe you should do it like this or this one, do it, do it for me or whatever. But he kind of critiqued my stuff. And he said, you know, in Boston, you really can't make any money as a comedy writer. You have to perform. And I was like, oh, I could never go on stage. Like it was the idea of it was, uh, it was terrifying. And he said, well, that's the really only way you can really make a living in Boston. So what happened was that next summer I took a summer school class at Emerson in comedy. Uh, that was taught by Dennis Leary. Wow! And we did, and we did stand-up comedy, and we did we did comedy writing, and the last class, the uh, the the students we all invited guests in, and we performed, and it went well. And there was this woman comic there, 
uh, named um, Angela Eisenberg, who she said, oh, you should pursue this or whatever. So I went to an open mic next week, the following week, and my friend Barry Kerman was coincidentally the host. <gasps> so, so that went well, and then I just kind of uh, kept at it uh, ever since. Well, when you when you went to perform, um, obviously you were really, 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 really super nervous. What did you do to kind of handle your nerves? Well, um, I would say there was something called alcohol. <laughs> no, um, I, you know it's funny. I was I was so sort of naive. I mean, I was definitely nervous. You know, I was terrified. Don't get me wrong, but. And it's funny because I started doing the shows. I would do Lenny Clark's show at the Ding Ho. And, you know, I was in college, so I could only go once every two weeks or, oh. or you know, sometimes I have finals or midterms and I'd be off for a couple of weeks. But I would be terrified. And sometimes what happened is the show would run long and Lenny would say, oh, you know what, I can't put you on this week. And I would be so relieved. You know, other people were always bugging him of, like, when can I, you know, can I get on next or when can I get on? And I never bothered him because I was hoping that he would forget about me and I wouldn't have to go on. (laughs) 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 I was just so terrified, you know. (laughs) That's so cute. Oh, you're sitting there. Oh, please, please. He doesn't want to be invisible right now. I'm going to hide under my recipe cards. (laughs) I know. It's like, well, you did sign up, so you do want to go on, but I was so terrified. And what used to happen to me is I would do these shows on Wednesday night, and about Tuesday at noon, I would get a knot in my stomach every every week. And then one time I was at school, and I got this knot in my stomach, and I thought, you know, it's only Monday. I'm I'm not supposed to get the knot until tomorrow. And then I realized, it's like, oh, it is Tuesday. Like, it was like a Monday holiday, and I was like, oh, wait, it is Tuesday. Like, my body knew when to get the knot in my stomach, even though mentally I didn't, you know. That our bodies do that stuff to us. I know. I know. It's insane. <laughs> it already knows your biological clock knew. Um, <laughs> if, if you, if somebody wants to be a staff comedy writer on a sitcom or a late night show, or even as a comedic screenwriter, what degree or or classes do you recommend that'll help to secure a job in that field? Do you think? Well, I guess it depends on, you know, what, what city that you're in or, or that kind of thing, because I do think that a lot of different colleges, um, I think, offer, you know, creative writing classes or even television writing or, or screenwriting or, or that kind of thing. And I, I think, it, you know, I, I would just kind of, um, you know, there are these different adult ed classes, and I would just look on the, I would look on the Internet and see, you know, where there are, you know, uh, sitcom writing courses or screenwriting courses or whatever it is, or stand-up comedy classes. I know, you know, I've, uh, I, I know people take those. So I would find wherever city you're living in, I would find, uh, I would go on the Internet and see what's available and, um, yeah, and, like and do LA, that because I think... Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. We're overlapping. We're no, 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 overlapping yeah. on each other, Brian. <laughs> Like here in LA, they have uh, the they have the 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 ice house, and then the com- was it the comedy store, and then the improv, and there are so many places you can perform. But I don't and Groundlings. I don't know if they offer classes at these particular clubs, but there's tons of classes that uh, and groups that you can join here in LA, and I would imagine New York as well. Um, uh, yeah, I would think so, and, and I know, 
I know Flappers offers classes in Burbank, and yeah. and I I would just check on the internet. I I think there's you know there's definitely comedians around the, around town who are teaching classes and and things like that, or or TV just, you know former TV writers who are teaching classes. Yeah, we, we're very fortunate if you're in a, in a city like L.A. or New York or Miami, and I would think, of course, Chicago. They, I know they have the second city there. But what if sure. you were in a small town in the Midwest, like a small town, say, Pawnee, Indiana? Oh, that's from Parks and Recreation. I don't even know if there is a Pawnee, but say Pawnee, <laughs> Indiana. What, you know, what do you what, – what if there is no – what if there are no classes available at the local college or or uh, community center? What if there is none? What what would you do if you if you're still say a teenager, you're living at home? What do you do to to get your chops well, sharp? Well, I think you know if you're you know if you want to be a sitcom writer, for example, um, you know you could go you could check online. I'm sure there's you know there's there's several you know books out there about how to become a television writer. And I would see, you know, whichever ones are rated the highest. And, you know, there's screenwriting books. There's, there's, there's uh, books about being a television writer. I would just devour those books. And, just learn, and what I've learned from reading those screenwriting books is if you read two different books, they're actually not contradicting each other. They're actually complementing each other. They're both, saying, they're both saying the same thing in different ways. They're really actually reinforcing what the other is saying is what has been my experience. So you're not getting contradictory information. You're getting two experts who are basically in agreement, and there's a certain approach that, uh, that they're advocating, and I would follow that. I have a question. I, I have heard around – first time I heard this was in one of my casting director workshops, and uh, we had a – uh, a casting director that cast for sitcoms, and she happened to mention something which really has eluded me, but I, I, I think I remember in comedy when you're writing, there are certain sounds or letters that are supposed to evoke some sort of feeling of happiness and make you laugh. And it's something like C's and K's. That's a, a formula. Yes, yes. Do you know about this? What is that? Explain that to sure, us. Sure, sure, sure. Well, it's it's there are certain words that 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 K sound, because it's so abrupt and it's hard hitting. It, you know, if you describe someone, we had a joke the other day, and originally they said somebody was dumb as a post, and we changed it to dumb as a rock, and it's just what you're talking about because when it ends on rock, it's just it sounds it's so hard hitting. It just sounds harsh. Do you know what I mean? And it's, there's something about comedy that it's like, it, if, it, if it ended in TH or something, it's too gentle a sound. You know, rock or brick or whatever it is that if you can, if you can throw those, those words just sort of enhance comedy for some, it's an old, like Neil Simon used to talk about stuff like that, about how street is funnier than road and these little things like that. Um, and that's the, you know, that's, uh, a little, I mean, it, these are, it's, it's, um, it's, you know, it, these, it only ha- comes up every once in a while, but it, these are sort of some old comedy rules, I guess. Uh, you know, Brian, I am 
so sad because something happened with the sound. And when you started explaining, I heard nothing but. And I don't know if oh, the listeners are hearing that as well. Do you, am I clear? Do you understand what I'm saying or do I sound much? Uh, yes, absolutely. Let me. Uh, is, it better on, I two is it better on this phone? I, yeah, I don't know if it's on our end or your end or if it's the whole process, but I, I would just die if our listeners couldn't hear what you said because I did not understand a word you said. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm so sorry because you sound perfectly. Oh, wait, I, but, there you go. I hear you now. I hear you. Go ahead. Okay. Well, the other day we had a joke and it ended with somebody was as dumb as a post and we changed it to dumb as a rock. Mm-hmm. And that taint sound, it just, it just sounds, it sounds funnier. I don't know how to say it. It's just, it's just a harder sound. And words that, you know, this is an old Neil Simon thing about how, you know, words should end, like street is funnier than road. And you want to have that K sound because it just, it sounds harsh and it sounds comedic. And if it has like a TH sound or something, it sounds too gentle. And you want that hard-hitting sound. At the end of a ah, uh, so is there are there classes that actually teach that uh, when you go to to comedy writing classes, uh, do they actually teach those little tips and formulas that you can write to make things funnier using implementing that process? Well, I think that you know there are so many sort of rules. You know, there's is sort of the rule of three, you know, you set things up with two sort of straight examples and then the third one is the joke. There are certain things like that that you learn. I think the, one of the things that we work on all the time, if you can end the punchline with the funniest word, like with the, with the key part of the, of the, of the joke, um, sometimes you have to kind of manipulate things sort of grammatically so that it ends on the word bike or, you know, whatever. Oops, did I lose you? Yeah, I can hear you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it, it's, um, you, you, uh, there's so many tips. It's just, it's hard to, it's hard it's to. It's hard to, it's, it's, there's formulas out there. You just have to seek them out. So just know that there is a formula because people, uh, I was, I was uh, trying to explain that in my own little way to someone a couple weeks ago. And the person said, I had no idea that there was a formula to use and that you use C's and K's and they were the funniest words that you should use. I said, oh, absolutely. That's what I heard. But I'm going to ask Brian Connolly when it comes on the show. <laughs> now, well, that, yeah, it's, yeah, it's so funny it's, that that's a very old sort of comedy thing, but and it, but just the fact that it actually came up last week is interesting. It's something that doesn't come up every day, but you do hear yeah. that from time to time. Yeah, it's going around. It's it's like in a loop. It goes around and it hits you every every so often. Now, other than helping to uh, write a funny script for a show. What are some of a staff comedy writer's duties? Because obviously you have to write something, but what else do you do? Is it just writing or do you have other duties? Uh, well, it depends on, on the a, show. When you, know, when you work on a late night comedy show, let's just say that. Well, when you're working on a late night show, sometimes you are actually directing pieces, you know, sometimes it's because, you know, we'll shoot something and, you know, our, our director really kind of shoots the show. So if there's something that that's going to be 
live on our show, our director will direct it. But sometimes what will happen is you'll have a remote crew and, and you need to go shoot something at a bar or you need to go, you know, shoot something out in the field. You know, as the writer of the piece, you're out there kind of directing the actors and telling them what it is you need from them for that specific piece and so on. So you, you sort of... Um, uh, you sort of end up getting these these sort of directing, uh, you, you know, you end up some opportunities, getting, right? Absolutely, that you wouldn't uh, that you wouldn't normally have. Now, see, I, didn't, so I, I had no idea. I thought that uh, I, I, those sketches, you know, the little sketches that are re- considered remotes, where they show somebody doing something out somewhere other than live on the show. You, the writer who came up with the idea, or the collaborators on it, they actually get to di- to direct it along with the director, or are they in charge of it uh, themselves since they wrote it? Well, usually when they're out in the field, they're usually in charge themselves because what's, what's happening is. Sometimes you're shooting, sometimes there might be a couple of pieces at once being shot. So our director really is, is in the studio. So if you're out in the field, uh, you know, and it's only, our bits are so quick. So it, it's, it's only like a 30-second piece usually or a minute long or something like that. So, but you get a um, chance to direct it. That's awesome. I did not know yeah. that before. I did not yeah. know that. And what is it? What does a typical day consist of as a staff comedy writer? You come in, you get your coffee, you line it with alcohol, of course. And then, <laughs> uh, you, then what do you do? <laughs> well, it's it's we come in for us. What we do, you know, I work mostly on the monologue. So, except for on Fridays when we're working the other pieces. But what I'll do is you go on the internet. You, you basically have to dig up the premises, and what you do is you're looking for, okay, what, what, what topics are kind of, is, what's in the news that Conan's going to talk about tonight? So you might be saying, okay, the president is uh, in Brazil, and, uh, you know, Kim Kardashian uh, is dating this guy, or whatever it is, you're digging the premises out from the news, and then you, you start writing jokes, and then what I do is there's a, there's a younger guy that I work with who I get together with him for about a half an hour and brainstorm because I just hate sitting in a room by myself all day. It drives me crazy. So, uh, so then, we, then we all get together and we, we, write our, we, we read through our jokes and we give them to Conan and then we get them back from him and he'll say, you know, these are the ones I like. I think we should do more about, we don't really have to joke about the president being in Brazil yet or whatever it is. And then we write another batch, and then we read through them with him, and he picks the jokes for the show, and then we, we might have one, you know, then we'll go and have one more batch uh, at the last minute, and that usually only has one or two that he might like, you know, it's just too late at that point. And then we read through the cue cards of the ones that he liked earlier, and uh, we confer, confer with Andy and our head writer, uh, and we... Um, and then we pick the order, and uh, we pick the jokes, and pick the order, and he goes out and does it. So, so, so basic. So, ba- yeah, you're cutting in and out, but you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm really sad because I'm missing all of your great, 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 great advice. But you know, I'm just going to continue on, and I'm hoping that the people on the other end hear it. So, um, I'm very, very sorry, but I'm like, damn, I'm missing opportunities for questions. Okay, so. Well, what, do you want me, do you want me to? You, should I, 
no, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine. It's probably the, you know, the whole computer Skype thing. That's probably what it is. So there's really nothing we can do. We're just going to carry on like it's a live late night show. All right. Let's see. So, okay. so basically, uh, I, when usually when I watch um, the credits, I see, say, for example, that Conan uh and Jay Leno and Letterman, I see that they get credited with writing the jokes, but do they sometimes write their own jokes? Like when they do that, when they come on and they do their opening act, like Letterman and Leno, they come and they do their jokes in the beginning of the show. Do they write them themselves or are there people who write them or does it just, does it just depend? Oh, well, well, what happens is, you know, with all the jokes that we give Conan, and we give, we probably give him, you know, 200 jokes a day when it's all said and done, he will pick the ones he like, and he'll kind of rewrite them and put them in his own words. Ah. And, and he might say, you know, I would say it like this, or I would cut out this part. He's very, he's very economical. And I think that's actually a big sort of comedy rule is if you can take out the unnecessary words, you know, I think the the... The longer the punchline, the longer the setup, I mean, the, 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 the punchline really, it puts more on the punchline. So you want to have, have a quick setup and a quick punchline, and it's that sort of Shakespearean thing about brevity being the soul of wit. So he'll often edit things down, and then sometimes he'll have an idea of saying, hey, how about, how about this punchline? You know, he'll come up with a joke instead of sometimes of, hey, how about this instead of what we had or whatever. So he often, uh, he, he rewrites stuff every day, and he often gets uh, jokes on as well. That makes sense. Now, when you have a team of comedic writers for the show, which obviously happens with late-night shows, uh, sitcoms as well, uh, how does the process work that leads to the final, uh, I'm going to say script? Uh, you know, in this collaborative task of writing, does every writer get his or her material written within every show? Because I hear sometimes there's 12 writers on a, on a show that's usually maybe more for sitcom or something, but how does that process work where everybody feels like they're contributing or does somebody get their stuff in this week and then maybe not next week? How does that work? How does everybody get a little piece of the pie in there? Well, it's different with a, with a you know, with a late night show, it's a daily show and it's a little different than a sitcom. I think sometimes a sitcom, you know, a couple of writers might be uh, you know, might be might be assigned to work on the, this episode, and a, and a couple other writers were assigned to work on the next episode. But even within a even with a, in a sitcom, that's more or less for from my understanding, it's more or less from the first pass. So, two writers might pitch an idea, and they say, "Okay, you two go," you know, or or one guy, and say, "Okay, you go write this." And when they come back with it, I think what they have is it's almost like a rough draft. And then the room, and then in the room, as people read through it, and people say, "Okay, maybe instead of that joke, this." So people throw out different ideas. To, they're constantly sort of reworking it and revamping it, and and kind of strengthen it uh, over the course of the week or the two weeks there. Okay, and then it works kind of the same way for a late night night talk show. Well, well, it's talk show is different because what happens is, you know, Conan comes out and does, say, maybe 10 jokes up top. So of the five monologue writers, we're all throwing in stuff. And generally speaking, 
you know, you kind of average a couple jokes, getting on a couple jokes a day. You know, sometimes you might have a day where you get four or five jokes on, and then the next day you have a day you, you only get you get none on, you know, or you get one on. You know, it's just it's you just kind of average it out. But um, and when he's talking, and when he's talking to the guest, those are things that he comes up with on his own. I mean, he can't have, be looking down at a cue card, right? I mean, when he makes these funny right, right, comments right. with the interaction, that's all him. Yes, that's all off-the-cuff stuff with him. Although what will happen is they have a pre-interview with a guest, and the guest might say to the, the producer, hey, I've got a funny story about when I went to summer camp or something. So oh. then Conan will, you know, so Conan won't know the story, but he'll say, you know, oh, so when you were a kid, you know, did you go to summer camp or whatever? And he'll kind of lead them into the story. And, uh, you know, so Conan won't, so all that stuff is, is, spontaneous and, and yeah. unplanned and so on. And that's why he has a job, because he's funny. <laughs> he yeah, can do yeah. Now, what do you personally, Brian, what do you love most and least about being a comedy staff writer? This is for um, people to say, okay, maybe I want it, maybe I don't want to be it. So what, what do you love most and least about it? Well, I have to say, I, I do, I really enjoy the you know, hanging out with with funny people is a blast. I, I go in every day, and you know, it's funny because I, I when I watch comedy, I really don't laugh very much because I'm just sort of analyzing it. It drives, it drives my wife crazy. We'll go see a comedy movie, and I won't laugh at all, and I'll come out and go, oh, I thought that was pretty good, and she'll be like, Oh my god, you know, it, it makes her insane, you know. But it just you just kind of analyzing when you're watching comedy, but in in at the show, you know, you're in the office, you know, Conan's hilarious every day, Andy's hilarious every day, and the other writers are so funny that just the fun, the fun sort of banter and all that stuff, I, I really enjoy that. And I think the only thing, I, it's something I don't like, what's frustrating about, what's different about writing a, a late night show is it's almost like writing a news, for a newspaper. We write your jokes, and he does it, and then that's it. Whereas, you know, I'm someone, I love sitcoms, and, and I'll watch an I Love Lucy or a, a Dick Van Dyke show or whatever, and you can watch this wrote, you know, 50 years ago and still enjoy it. So I, there's nothing, you know, our stuff, you do it and then that's it. Nobody's looking at it a week later or a year later or anything like that. Right. So that's... Uh, yeah, it's kind of, you, know, you feel like it's lost in the wind. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, absolutely. I always feel like I'm driving down the street 80 miles an hour writing stuff and just throwing it out the window. So, But don't they have those shows now with the new media? Don't they have late night sh- And I've never checked this out, so I'm not sure. But don't they have uh, all of the late night shows available, say, on Netflix or Mubi or any of those type of online uh, not that I'm, not that I'm aware of. I know that there are clips that you can see on YouTube or things like that, but I don't know of, of you I know, know they have it for uh, the Johnny Carson show, but because I have those. <laughs> I oh, have you do? DVD, wow. I have the DVD set. Of course, Johnny Carson. Oh, my God. But I, 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 I never looked it up to see if there's any uh, Letterman, Leno, or Conan. But. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't. Uh, if there is, I haven't heard of it. Uh, oh, so maybe it's it, just uh, Carson. It's just Johnny. Maybe you have to wait 20, 30 years before you can get your DVD. Yeah, yeah, it could be. <laughs> so maybe your jokes will be heard again in 20 <laughs> right, years so. in the 
year 2929. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you think, uh, now we were talking about comedy staff writers. Uh, you've also been a stand-up comedian. The same question applies. What do you love most? Oh, actually, with you having the dots, I probably shouldn't ask about the stand-up comedian part. <laughs> <laughs> because you had the knot, so you might not love that. But what would you think that would be somebody who uh, a stand-up comedian? What do you think that is, there is to love, uh, and maybe not so so much love? Well, it's you know, there's nothing like it's, for me. The two things like there's nothing like having a great show. You know, when you get a great audience, you have a great show. That's that's so exciting, and it's hard to replicate that. And also, when you have a new joke that you excited that you're excited about that you can't wait to try, you know, I love that. Uh, I think that you know what can be hard is being on the road and being away from your family and and all that stuff can be a drag, you know. Yeah. Um, and of course, having ha- having hangovers because you're toasted <laughs> the night before. Yeah. I know about those stand-up comedians. I hear those. <laughs> Well, it's also, you know, you get some of the, you get certain audiences where you're like, oh my God, please don't make me go out there in front of them. You know, there are. <laughs> the ones with the big tomatoes sitting on Ellen. Oh the my lot, God. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I have a, a couple of friends who are comedians and this one guy said um, that when he first started out that he had to go and I don't remember the name of it, but it was in, it was in Florida, like Boca Raton and, and he had to perform for these gray haired, uh, gray haired sure. specials is what he called. And he said that he was dreading that so bad, but, it ended up being the best show of his life because they really wow. his comedy. Um, but he was really dreading it, but it turned out great. Now, do you think that being funny, I'm going to put quotes on that. Do you think that being funny is something that can be learned or do you think that it's just a natural talent? Or do you think that maybe you can have a natural talent and then maybe tweak it a little bit by going to some classes? What do you think? Well, I definitely think that you have to have a little something, you know, I, I, you know, if you, if you don't have, you know, you have to have a good sense of humor or something to begin with. I do think that you can learn things. I think that you're, you become funnier when you hang around funnier people. And I, I think also you can learn, uh, I think a lot about stand-up comedy is kind of learning about what makes you funny and what's your funny side and what, you know, when I first started, I would do sort of some off-the-wall kind of Stephen Wright-esque type jokes, and people just didn't buy it from me. So I had to kind of learn what jokes worked for me and how people perceived me and all that kind of thing. So a lot of stand-up is just, you know, it really takes, you know, a good 10 years to kind of learn your voice and learn where you're coming from and what, you know, what uh, what humor works for you and so on. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, you know what's interesting, and I, I, I want to get your opinion on it. I, I, I think this to be true, because my whole life, people, my friends, let's just, let's just just specify that my friends and family have always said to me, Priscilla, you are so funny, you should be doing stand-up comedy. But can you explain that? Uh, the difference is you, you're, you may be funny to your friends and your family members, but when you go up on stage to be a comedian, and that's something I've never done because I've never had a desire to do that because I sort of realize that I may be funny to my friends and family members, but that's because they know me. They know my sense of humor. They get me. But when you right, go right, up on sure. stage to be a stand-up comedian, nobody knows you. 
right? Or, yeah. You know, that, and it's totally different. You know, is that true? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And there's, there's so many people that they can not, and, and you see people, I used to host an open mic, and you'd see people, somebody go out, and they're totally unprepared, and they think, well, I'm funny. It's like, well, I'm sure you are, but you also need jokes, you know? So it's, it's definitely, you have to be able to be funny to strangers, and, um, and that's, I guess that's the tricky part. It is, because it, it, you can be funny to your family and friends by being sarcastic or calm, making a comment or something like right. that. But it's different when you have to go up and be a, a comedian and tell a story and be funny and nobody knows you because they don't really know where you're coming from. And I don't know what the secret is. I, I, I can't tell people what the secret is, but I've asked comedians and they don't seem to know what the secret is either. It's it's well, a hard thing, isn't it? To it, it is. I do think it's. I do think there's something to be said for finding, almost like you know what what is it about you and your essence. And I, you know, there are certain comics who, you know, I worked with this guy a few years ago, and he his whole joke was his whole act was about you know his grandmother's you know gaseous problem and play his teeth, and it was just it was horrendous. Yeah. But off stage. Off stage, he was talking about how he was raised Quaker, and they spoke this and thou, and all these kinds of things. And it was like, that's what you should be talking about on stage. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got this unique background, and you're not tapping into it all. That's your story, and that's what that's what's unique about you. So I think that's the the you know, you, you know, finding your you- uniqueness. Yeah, finding your strength as a comedian really has to come from you. Don't try to mimic or copy other people's jokes or their style. Like, I remember going to a a comedy club, and there was a guy that was trying to be Richard Belzer. I mean, he was trying so hard, but it did not work for him. So uh, if you want to be a comedian, you got to find what your, I would imagine, what your comedic style is. and be Absolutely. And find, yes, find, you know, just find your... In, you know your voice and what what's unique about you and and uh, and what makes you different from everybody else that kind of thing. You know, years ago I was taking this acting class. I met this guy, and his name was Joe Smith, and he was the most ordinary guy I ever met. He was five nine. He was average looking. He was average. His name was Joe Smith, and I was fascinated with him because I'm like, oh my god, this is the most ordinary person I've ever met. I was totally intrigued. So. <laughs> So no matter who you are, I do think that there's unique things about you that you can find about yourself that makes yourself funny and unique. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you just have to get up there and and do trial and error and find your strength strength as a comedian and uh that's that's how you do it i mean just because your mother father sister brother and your friends tell you you're funny don't get your you don't get yourself all pumped up and think that you know you're going to be great at it try it but if it fails then you could take other venues you could uh become a sketch writer there's so many jobs in comedy you absolutely right like uh, absolutely and and what people don't realize is you know you're going up there for five minutes but they don't, I don't think they realize how much work goes into that five minutes. It's, exactly. That preparation 
for those five minutes, like that's the key. That's the, the work that you put in before you go on stage is the key, I think. Yeah, and some people think that and they, they want to get into comedy and they think that they have to, to, to just do stand-up. So if you go up there and you bomb and you keep bombing and bombing and bombing, don't be discouraged because you could – You maybe your talent lies more in writing. Maybe you can write sketches. Maybe you could be a sitcom writer. Maybe you could be a, uh, a you know – Absolutely. There's, there's people, there's guys that I work with who, you know, they'd be terrified to go on stage, but they're hilarious. It's just, they're just not comedians, but they're fantastic comedy writers. So absolutely. So that, so don't be discouraged people. Look at Brian, 2007 Emmy award winner. My God, (laughs) Brian did it. And remember he got the nuts in his stomach when he went out for being a comedian. Yet I understand that you're still chugging along. You're, you're performing anything coming up, uh, that we can see you in any performances. Oh, I'll be at the uh, comedy magic club, uh, this Friday and Saturday in Hermosa (gasps) beach. Oh, oh my God! I used to live in Hermosa Beach. I got. I, I hope you got that posted somewhere so that I can see it. Is that on your Facebook page or anywhere? Where you know what? I'm the. Worst. I'm so bad about. I I'm, know. I, think, I was trying to find stuff about you, and you were I like double oh seven. You're like. You know, I'm. I'm like part Amish. I'm so. I'm so bad with technology, and Conan mocks me for it every day. It's terrible. Uh, well, let me let me write let me write that down so I can, So you're going to be in Hermosa Beach at what is it called again? Uh, the Comedy and Magic Club. Comedy and Magic Club. All right. And what time? Uh, I think the show's, uh, uh, it's like well, eight on Friday. And, we'll look uh, it maybe, up. You're worth it. We'll go yeah. to the website and look it up. And what I know that you got a, an album out on iTunes that we can buy. It's called Self-Portrait. Uh, is that available now? If we go to iTunes, we just type in self-portrait. Is that a comedy album? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, that's on Amazon or iTunes or whatever. Sure, sure, absolutely. Okay, so we go Amazon. So go to Amazon.com or iTunes and you type in Brian Kiley, B-R-I-A-N-K-I-L-E-Y, uh, and there you will have his comedy album or uh, type in self-portrait. And I am going to buy those and give them away for Christmas gifts, just to let you know. I think they would be excellent Christmas gifts to give away. And um, also to watch you, watch your jokes being performed by the one and only Conan O'Brien. And why don't you (laughs) tell us when Conan O'Brien comes on and the channel? Uh, He's on uh, TBS, uh, uh, Monday through Thursday at 11 p.m. And um, And that's how you can hear that's how you can hear people can hear your jokes being told through Conan. <laughs> right? We get a little bit of you through Conan every night, right? Uh, I see that's fair to say, sure. <laughs> Well, uh, Brian, I want to thank you so much. You have given our audience great advice. There are so many comics out there or aspiring comedians that you have helped. And I personally appreciate it, and I know they appreciate it. And I would love and be honored maybe next year, if you're not too busy, you could come back on our show and give us some more tips, advice, because I still have 12 more questions. (laughs) Absolutely, Priscilla. I'd be happy to do your show. It's, it's, uh, It's so much fun talking to you. Well, it's fun talking to you, too, as a matter of fact, and I I just hope that uh, you have the best, best remaining career in comedy and whatever you want. I pray that you will have because you're such a nice man and you're so kind to come on and share your your wisdom, and I appreciate it. Oh, sure, sure. (laughs) Your wisdom. 
You're a boon of wisdom, Brian Kiley. Thank you so much, Brian. Say goodbye to your fans. Okay, well, uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you soon, I hope. Okay. We're going to see Brian this Friday and Saturday night at the Hermosa Beach Comedy Club. Also go to Amazon iTunes for his comedy album, Self-Portrait, and watch him uh, watch his jokes through Conan O'Brien every night. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Bye, Brian. Bye, everybody. Okay, Priscilla, thank you. You're listening to Question Reality. Question Reality. With Priscilla Leona. Priscilla Leona. Only on LA Talk Radio.